Hey Cedar Valley, good morning, welcome here. Still working crumbs out here. Still working the crumbs out from our little pre-show Oreo thing. So here's a good reason to start hopping on the service even earlier now. We're spicing up a bit, it's not just a countdown. Just We're trying having something fun. fun here, yeah. But hey, my name's Graham, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church and... And I'm Pastor Rob, also one of the pastors at this church. We're gonna get the service started for you. We're really excited about it this morning. Yeah, this is your first time checking us out online on a Sunday morning. A special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you better, and uh, you can help us do that by giving us a shout at hello at cedarvalley.ca or even just dropping a comment. Bottom or side. Yeah, that'd be great, <laughs> thanks. Awesome, yeah. And for everybody who's joining in, the best way to stay connected and informed throughout the week daily with us is following us on our uh, Facebook page, Instagram. We have a YouTube channel. We have devotional posts, information, stuff like that. But uh, a huge one too is signing up for our weekly email newsletter. Yeah. And we send those out on Friday. You can sign up for that on our webpage. It's at the bottom of every page or there's a pop-up, I think, too. So trying to make that nice and easy for you. Speaking of social media, Grant. <laughs> Lay it on me. We've had some cool stories of how our services, so this morning, morning worship service mm. particularly, have reached and affected people like all over Canada. A Saskatchewan church, for instance, was blessed by our worship. So they mm. actually asked, hey, can we use that? And, and we had people tuning in from, yeah. I, I, when, when I read this, I thought, is that true? Yeah. From the Netherlands, come on! <laughs> yeah, and France, and we've had a few funny connections lost down in the States too. That's awesome! Worldwide little mission, getting the message out. And that doesn't actually, it doesn't happen just organically because the internet is everywhere. It happens because of your interaction with these services, with our posts, and especially from those times that you hit that little share, share. button. And it goes to all of your friends on your feed. So that's huge actually, like just look at that little scroll. If you're proud of what's going on, if you're being impacted by this morning, hit that share button because it, it reaches people and it's cool yeah, the connection we're making. France and another, <laughs> another like, wow. Yeah. So coming up next week, uh, we have our annual general meeting. And due to our, our current circumstances, COVID, it, it's gonna look a little different this year, mainly because it's going online through Zoom. We're gonna do everything we can to make sure this meeting is available and accessible to everyone mm -hmm. who wants to join online. Yeah, yeah. online. Absolutely, and we do have report booklets available now already. We released them even last week. They're on our website, they're in our newsletter, so another reason to sign up for that. And for those of you who love a good, fresh printed hard copy too, we've got those going. Uh, so we've been sending a few of those out, but if you want to stop by the church office, we'll get one of those in your hands too. We'll print off a hot copy for you. <laughs> yeah. So take some time to read through the reports, get a sense of where our ministries have been this past year, and where we're looking to go as a church, which will be reflected in our budget. If you have any questions, it's actually best if you can send them to us ahead of time because mm -hmm. your thoughtful questions deserve thoughtful answers. So read that report and get us some questions. Totally. Or comments or encouragements, whatever you like. Yeah, because we want to engage with everyone fairly well. And frankly, too, with this Zoom meeting, it is new to us, right? So we don't know what we'll kind of engage with. So if you can send your questions in ahead of time, that guarantees that we'll be able to address them and talk about them fairly and well for everybody. Yeah, help us help you answer your questions. That'd be great. Can I pray for us? Before yeah, we absolutely. Let's do that. Love it. Oh, good morning, Father. Thank you for uh, this ability even to gather together on line to worship together, to disciple each other through the week. Like, oh, wow, for a time mm. like this, at least we have these <laughs> tools, right? Mm. 
We know that you are everywhere and that your, your presence saturates this planet. So we know that you are present and that you are with us even now as we gather around with family or on our own, with friends or by ourselves, just to worship, to say that you are awesome. You have no compare. Jesus, you are singular. You are, as we've been saying in our series already, the one and only. I pray, Father, that as we draw into worship, we would have a sense of you. And we are mindful uh, in that, in that connection to you of all else that's going on around us uh, through the pandemic, uh, people who have been ill because of it, people who are coming out of that illness, who are out of quarantines, like all these different pieces. We, we're mindful of global situations mm. as, our, uh, as is happening in Texas, this rare sort of season and condition therein. Father, we pray just help and um, that they would uh, that they would make it that there'd be good supports that there'd be a, a hope for them yeah mm-hmm. and in the meantime father again we turn to you we uh, uh, acknowledge that you're with us and we we welcome you and invite your your spirit to work through us so that we would enjoy you and um, respond to you in Jesus name mm-hmm. I pray amen say amen Thanks, Rob. Well, we're going to get the service started with a time of worship singing. Uh, This morning, we have Columbia Bible College's worship team has recorded a song. So last week, we had Pacific Life Bible College. That was awesome, by the way. Fantastic job. Columbia has done something similar, too, with their worship ministry. They're located out in Abbotsford, uh, just blessing local churches around us. So they're going to lead us in worship this morning, um, wherever you're at, at home. It's going to be a great time singing. I love that. And it's not because we don't think we've done awesome Mm. work putting our own stuff together with our talented people. We just sort of think it's useful to expand that palette a bit and and let you know what's out there if you're searching for a Bible college or want to do some education that way. So that's pretty cool. So thanks for putting that on our our palette. After that, after we do that, we've got a special lesson for the kids from Allison. And here's a a teaser. It's got popcorn. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and uh, following up with that, uh, Pastor Doug is bringing us the next message in our series, the one and only. We're in the Gospel of John, one chapter a week. We are in chapter six this morning, so he's giving us a good look into God's messaging for us, applying that to our lives in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But before we get to all that, what? I forgot the notes. Here's what we're going to do, though. We, we got through seven Oreo flavors. I expect that there's more out there, but I think that we could be creative this morning. Mm, do it. And, you know, we'll just spend, there's going to be about a minute. Make up the best Oreo flavor. I know where you you're going. It's sort of like that Pringles commercial while you take yeah. all the... Co- <laughs> yeah, yeah. And okay, that, so. that influence, right? They made some good ones. So, like, what, what would your dream Oreo flavor be? Oh, okay. I, I don't know. Do you have thoughts? I, I, peanut butter kind of topped it, That was it, right? it for like, you, That right? was it for me. So, they already oh. have that going. They've hit it. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I love the classic. I, it's hard to imagine a better flavor. Just ask I... for triple stuffed. I actually like more cookie. But you know what? Hit up the comment feed. If you're watching live on YouTube, Facebook, hit up the comment feed. What is a dream Oreo flavor you want to see made? We're going to contact head office with these answers and maybe they'll make it happen. What? Thanks, Cedar Valley, for joining us. We're in for a great morning. Who is our sponsor?
Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand.
Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hi guys, my name is Allison. I'm so glad you have joined me today. First things first, I wanna make some popcorn because I wanna talk to you about things that multiply or expand. Okay, so I'm gonna pour my hot oil in here. And then I wanna show you, I've got a third cup of popcorn seeds. Look at how tiny these are, they're so small. So I want us, as I talk, I'm gonna watch how these expand, okay? So keep your eye on this. But I also wanna show you a few other things that expand as well. So first one here, we've got our popcorn seeds. It's just a close up so you can see just how small they are. And we'll see what those are gonna expand or multiply into in just a little bit. But here, do you recognize this? This is bread dough. Just a tiny little bit of bread. Once it rises, it gets big like that. There's a tiny little um, ingredient in there called yeast that makes the bread dough rise up and get really big. And then you bake it and you get this delicious, delicious sourdough loaf. Mmm, so good. So those are some other things that come from really a really, really small amount and they expand and get bigger. Here's the next thing. Now, in here you can see there's just a little bit of liquid in there, okay? And they're gonna pour in another little ingredient. So it starts off real small and I want you to watch this. This is called elephant toothpaste. If you're interested in looking up the recipe, I think you can, but look. Whoa, it's expanding and look how big it's getting. It's multiplying, it's huge. So something that started out a really small amount of liquid turns into that. It's pretty amazing, okay? Something else that starts really small and gets big, want us to look at this. This is called a mustard seed. So you can see the size of the person's fingers there. That seed is so small and tiny. Guess what it grows into? that massive tree. Isn't that incredible? Now this takes quite a bit of time, right? Like this is years and years and years of growth. But that huge tree came from a seed just that small, okay? So our popcorn's taking a bit of time. Let's take a look and watch it grow together. All right guys, I think it's done. Let's take a look. Let's flip this over like this. Oops. There we go, look at that. Look at that amazing popcorn. So something that was this big, and just in this small of a cup, makes this much, isn't that awesome? Like this could maybe feed, like maybe a family of five, or maybe just one person if you want a lot, but it still got a lot bigger, right? So I want to talk to you about a story where Jesus took something and he multiplied it because he loves us so much. So we're gonna go to John 6 and we are gonna read about Jesus feeding the 5,000. So I'm gonna read this story for you here. So John 6 verse one, that's where we're gonna start. So sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they had seen the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 
Now, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have just one bite. So another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Well, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. That's so many people. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Wow, there is so much going on in that story. Okay, the first thing I want to point out, if we go back to verse 5, when Jesus looked up, he sees a great crowd, not like a tiny crowd, you guys. This was 5,000 people. The first thing he said, where should we buy food for these people to eat? So he first and foremost was caring for the people. He was concerned that they were going to be hungry. That was the first thing he thought of. Okay, so then when, when he gets to the next part, one of the disciples, um, Andrew, noticed the boy with his loaves. And he, he saw that, but he's like, how far is that going to go? He doubted. But you know what? It doesn't really touch on this too much. But somehow, the loaves and the fish went from the little boy, and they were put into Jesus' hand. So you know what that means? That means that the boy decided to share what he had. Now, do you think that boy thought that he was going to see any of the fish and loaves? He only had five loaves and two fish. Do you think when he gave that up, he was thinking, ooh, I'm going to have some of that too. Like, Jesus surely is going to give some back to me. He didn't know that, but he was still willing to share. So think about that. Even that small amount, he was willing to share, and Jesus did so much with it, okay? The next thing I want us to think about, too, is in verse 6, it says, Jesus asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So you know what? He knew that that, that little boy was going to share his food. And he still used just a little boy. He used a child to show how much he cared for people. He used a child to perform this great miracle. So that's a really amazing thing. Sometimes we might think, oh, I'm too small to really matter or to make a difference. But Jesus noticed this boy and he chose to use this boy. So that's a pretty awesome thing that I want you to keep in mind. So then Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed them to the people. So he took care of the needs of the people. He saw that crowd of 5,000, and he knew he needed to meet a practical need. They were going to be hungry as they sat and they listened to him. Because Jesus then was able to preach this incredible message and perform this great miracle, right? So that's the other thing that I really think is important for us to think about, is Jesus takes care of our needs, okay? Now, do you remember at the end of the story, how many baskets were there left over with that bread? Do you remember? was 12 baskets. So yes, Jesus took care of the needs of these people. He fed them until they had all that they wanted. 
and then more. He had more leftovers. So Jesus takes care of us. He meets our needs and more and then some. So it's a pretty amazing story that I think is really cool because it highlights just how much Jesus loves us and he cares for us, but also that he used a boy's willingness to share to create this incredible story that just spoke of how much he loved and cared for us and his miraculous ways too. So when we're thinking about, oh, I might not make a difference, maybe I'm too young or maybe I don't have enough, just remember this story and keep that in mind that Jesus can do a lot with the little that we are willing to give if we're obedient. So I hope you guys have a great morning. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Well, thanks, Allison. That was just an amazing story. And also, thanks to Jonathan and Pastor Grant for the great imagery here. Ah, uh, you see all of the fishes and the people fits right in to the theme of what Jesus was doing. But you know, that story is just the beginning of something incredible that happens in this passage. See, in the span of what appears to be just about 24 hours, the people around Jesus go from being so enthralled about who he is and what he's doing that they want to make him king instantly. And by the end of that 24-hour period, they are walking away in disillusion and disgust, grumbling about who he is. What happened in between? Well, Let's take a look and see. But first, what was in your lunchbox when you went to school? For some of you from my era or before that, it was likely literally a lunchbox, maybe plastic or metal that you carried back and forth to school. And then as you got a little bit older and you got too cool for a lunchbox, it was probably in a brown paper bag. Nowadays, the kids just throw their lunch straight into a backpack. But when you were a kid in school, did you ever trade lunches or part of your lunches? Now, to be honest, my mustard and ketchup sandwiches on white bread, they didn't go over so well and they weren't worth too much. But I got to tell you, my mom's fresh baking, ah, that always had high trading value. Well, anyways, back to the hillside. Can you imagine being the only one in a group of thousands and thousands of people surrounded by people, and you're the only one with food? What was with everyone else? And maybe, I guess, maybe this boy's mom maybe loved him a whole lot more than the other people's moms did. I'm not sure. Anyway, this large group of people, they need to eat. And Jesus is about to feed them 
in ways that they couldn't even imagine. And in verse 5, we're going to jump back in there a little bit again. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? See, maybe Jesus was asking Philip specifically because he was a local. He, he grew up in that area. And if there were uh, to be a corner store or a market, Philip would know about it. But he would also know exactly what wasn't there. And there wasn't anything for food. But then we continue on in verse 6. And it says that Jesus asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. See, I believe Jesus uses us to fulfill his purpose. And he gives us the opportunity to see beyond our ability. See, the tests of God, they're to refine our faith. It's never to tempt us into doing wrong. But when our faith is tested, how do we respond? See, Jesus knows what is going to happen already. We'll discover that as we continue through, through this chapter. And although we plan, and it's good to plan even throughout the day, we need to be prepared for the unexpected. In that moment that we didn't know was coming, to be God's grace and his love, his compassion, his understanding in that situation. And then we continue to verse 7. Philip answered him, It would take almost a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to even have a bite. See, based on Philip's assessment of the situation and the inventory of their resources, which was very meager, he determined that the situation was, well, hopeless. But then Andrew appears. He goes, hey, hey, look what I found. And we go, really? A few small loaves, a few small fish? Actually, it's laughable that this would feed five, maybe even upwards of 10,000 people with the families included with all these men. And as we read this verse here after Andrew speaks, he says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? It's, it's one of those times, have you ever had that moment where the thought in your mind is really good and as soon as you speak it, you realize... It's just really not even worth saying. It's, it's almost like Andrew felt that way. And these reportedly small fish, they were maybe no larger than just a sardine. And yet, even though, even if they would have been salmon, it wouldn't have made any difference. But see, that's when Jesus says, Only a few small fish, a couple of loaves, 
Watch this. See, see, God is bigger. God is greater. And because he's bigger and greater than anything you or I have experienced before, then bigger and greater things are going to happen when we give what we have to God. So, here's my question for you. What is our response as a church when Jesus says, see these people all around you? They hunger. And we can say, but, <laughs> but our resources are limited. Um, there's only so much that we can do. And he says, well, what do you got? And sometimes individually we can say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm really not that good at doing a lot of stuff. I'm not sure what I have to give you. And then Jesus says, that's why we make such a good team. I can do a lot with your little. And he says, let's go. See, seeing beyond our ability, because it's not us, it's Jesus within us. And Jesus has more than enough. We read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that things we are able through Jesus to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think what Jesus can do. Sometimes it doesn't seem like we have much to give. What can this little do? Well, you'll be amazed what can be done as we give it to Jesus. And then after this incredible feast on this hillside, Jesus just disappears. He leaves. Because he knew they were after something that he wasn't prepared to give them. They wanted to make him king right then and there. But he said no. And then the story continues. In John chapter 6, verse 16 to 21. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. You know, as, as George Costanza would say, the sea was angry that day, my friend. The Sea of Galilee was a little over five miles across at this point. And storms were common on this large lake as, as the winds howled through the hills to the north. 
And it made me think, when we are caught up in the storms of life, even when we think we're prepared, oh, it's still such a challenge to make any headway. These experienced fishermen had been rowing for hours. And normally what would maybe take them an hour or so to cross this whole part of the lake, for hours they had been battling this storm and they were only part way across with great difficulty. And then Jesus appears as if out of nowhere. And he says, it is I. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be frightened. For we discover that even though they were only halfway across the lake, once he joined them, they appeared on the other side through the storm. You know, Jesus will get us, will get you through the storm. He will get us to the other side. See, it doesn't mean we won't have to face the storm or to be caught within it for a time. But he will get us through. And though your storm may be dark, just hold on. For maybe that's in that moment of time, maybe that's all you're capable of doing. But know that he is near and he says, it is I. Don't be afraid. And so they continue on. They, they land on the shores of Capernaum. And, and it's the next day. And not long after they arrive, the crowd catches up to them. And they continue to seek what Jesus has to give. And he says to them in verse 29, you need to believe in the one that God has sent. It all starts with belief, with who I am and why I am here. And then we discover that in verse 30, they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe? The people were saying, show us a sign so we might believe. I will believe when I see it. But Jesus is saying, no, no, you got it backwards. Believe in me, and then you will see. See, no doubt we're familiar with the saying, seeing is believing. But this is a case where believing leads to seeing. And it's as we believe in Jesus that we then see who he is and what he has come to do. See, for Jesus, filling their stomachs was far less important than filling their souls. We discovered that a, a few weeks ago with, with the water and, and satisfying the thirst. But really, this whole miracle on the mountainside 
giving them food, was just setting up what Jesus really wanted to give them, to feed them. But what he was about to suggest to them was so bizarre that many of his followers turned and left, never to return again. In verse 35, he makes the declaration, I am the bread of life. See, he has filled their stomachs with bread, and they're still asking, what are you going to do? And he says, I am the bread of life. Now, this is a very interesting statement, and it is the first of seven I am statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John. So watch for the others as, as we continue. And he says that if you feed on me, you will hunger no longer. Our spiritual longing for God will be satisfied. The very words of Jesus nourish, speak life into our soul. You know how when you're eating and you take one bite, and it's just so good, and you just need more. Well, the other day, Jenny made a banana loaf when uh, the girls were over, and by the time I got home, there was only one slice left, and I was quite disappointed. So she then made me today, and you can see it here, this... Um, this loaf of bread, and it's actually chocolate bread. And I gotta tell you, next to the bread of life, this is probably the next best thing. And uh, I also have to say that I'm really sorry for those of you who don't like bread, or because maybe you, for a health reason, you're not able to enjoy it. But uh, there is nothing like fresh baked bread. And if it's chocolate bread, mm, I wish you could experience this. It is tremendous. Again, when we can get together, the invitation is to come join us eating some chocolate bread. Bread is awesome. Oh, I love it. And, and it's interesting that, that Jesus uses this analogy. He fills the people's stomachs with bread. And he says, but true bread from heaven is spiritual. And he says, take a taste. Consume God's word. It will give you nourishment for your soul. <coughs> Feed on Jesus. See, we have, all of us have, a need to be filled. And we can seek it through so many different ways. So many different ways that will not satisfy. And if we feed our acceptance on what we get from others, we will constantly be starving. See, we just can't get from others what we can get from Jesus. And if our sustenance 
is from those around us, we will be disappointed because it just won't satisfy. And unfortunately, now in our current world of social media, we need to be very, very careful of seeking fulfillment in our life from how many likes our posts get or how many followers that we have. Listen to this. There's been studies on this and the effect that that has, the dependence on who's following us and how many people are liking what we say. Scientists now link the dopamine that floods our brain, that rush that we get, when we see likes on our social media posts, to the hit that the human brain receives from addictive narcotics like cocaine. It gives an incredible rush, but it's an addiction that leads to always wanting more, and it leaves us wanting. Just be careful, even in that area, how we seek to fulfill ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean I, I don't like seeing your posts and your encouragement in the faces of your family. Um, but let's be very careful on what we need from social media. And then the really incredible thing, one of the coolest things that Jesus says, that as we come to him, as we feed on him, no matter who we are or what is happening in our life, in verse 37, he says, All whom the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Jesus will never reject you. We will never be rejected by Jesus. Jesus didn't come to condemn. He didn't come to, to berate us or to beat us up for what we have done. Jesus came to receive us, to restore us. No matter who we are, or where we are, where we've come from, but then Jesus goes a little bit deeper with his whole analogy of eating, consuming. And he continues in verse 53, and he says to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. And he continues to push this. And it was difficult to understand. See, in that moment, this was, this was heresy. He's, he's calling himself sent from God. He's calling himself the Son of God. And then he says, now you need to eat me. And it sounded literal. Now, we have the benefit of the rest of Scripture and the rest of his words. And as we gather for communion, and I know I was just talking to somebody actually earlier today. And we're talking about missing that opportunity to gather for communion. And, and we're working on ways to do that together as a church as soon as we can. But see, we understand that the bread and the juice, the wine, 
are symbolic of Jesus' body and his blood. And yet they didn't understand. They couldn't come to terms with what he was saying. And that's why in verse 66, we read that the disciples were grumbling about this and saying, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And from this time, many of disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They turned away and deserted him. Jesus, this is just too much. We're, we're out of here. Eat your body, drink your blood. That doesn't even make sense. We don't even know what you're talking about. And they left. But what is too much for us? When do we feel that, Jesus, you're just asking too much? Well, Jesus doesn't ask for much, does he? Well, just your life. But it's a pretty good deal. His death, so that you may live. It doesn't get better than that. And all he calls us to do is die to our sinfulness and selfishness and live for him. See, I firmly believe, we believe that the church, the gathering, should be a safe place for all who enter. But it should not be, necessarily, a comfortable place. The radical love and ministry and calling of Jesus should push us out of our comfort zone to follow him, this radical message in this world that so desperately needs the bread of life. So why, why is it that some people just walk away from Jesus? Maybe they think he's asking too much. Maybe they say, well, religion isn't for me. Well, you know what? Religion isn't for me either. It's a relationship with Jesus that I'm excited about. Or just maybe some people have walked away from the church because we have done a poor job of reflecting who Jesus is. And, and that's painful to admit. But that can be the reality when we focus more on rules than, than on relationship. God calls us to love. And unfortunately, I, I talk to people regularly, say, well, I was really hurt by the church. And then they explain their circumstance. And the invitation is, to come to Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus. And within the church, we want to celebrate that. And we want to help each other grow and reach out and share the love and the compassion of Jesus to our world.
And it's interesting that after this large group of his followers says, that's it, we're done. Jesus then turns and in verse 67, he says, Do you want to leave also? He asked the remaining 12. Do you want to go as well? Everybody else is leaving me. I love Peter's reply. He says, where else would we go? We have, we have nobody else to follow. There is no one but you. There is no one else whose life is worth following. You know, if anyone says to you, follow me, and they're not following Jesus, turn around. If we have a commitment that says, I will follow, there is no one else, there is no one else in this world that is worth following, we will discover the restoration, the replenishment, that Jesus revives us, bringing him, us close to him. That is consuming the bread of life that Jesus offers each one of us. Our God, we thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather around your word. God, and as we continue to gather and around the table for many of us and today and in the days to come, God, as we partake of the meal that's is provided and prepared, God, maybe as we even consume the bread, may it be a reminder of the bread of life. God, that we will have to come back to the table and, and eat this bre bread for our physical bodies. But the bread you give us will sustain us forever. And yet, God, may we continue to desire to keep coming back to your word and be replenished and restored and revived through your very words, through the bread of life, through yourself, through your son, Jesus Christ. God, may, all, we, all, may we also take this bread to those around us as we continue to seek ways God, that are even beyond our ability to think, but knowing that as we give what we have, and sometimes we think it's not much, and you say, that's perfect. That's all I need. And together, let's go bring this to the world so they may see my great love be drawn close to me. God, continue with us this day. In your precious son's name, amen. It's been great discovering the word with you today. And in just a moment, we're going to jump into some, some extra thoughts that we can consider about um, the bread of life. See you soon. Hey, thanks Cedar Valley for joining us again this morning. It's been a great morning. Thank you for the message, Pastor Doug in John chapter six. Yeah. And a huge thing that we want to just really advocate for is that this isn't something like, don't just watch this and think that 
now your life is changed, mm. right? Like there's some more that we want out of this kind of stuff. We're yeah. kind of providing some content. Yeah. We want to interact with it. We want to uh, explore, ask questions and see how that applies specifically mm. to all of our lives. And so with that, yeah. we're kind of gonna, we're gonna engage you in a little bit of conversation to take this into the rest of your afternoon and week and month and so on from here. So yeah. John chapter six, so, Doug. So yeah. just following up with that, yeah. um, what's, a, what's a verse or a truth from the Bible that nurses your soul? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could you even like expand on that just a little bit more of like, is this the whole Bible, stuff like that? Like <laughs> stuff that we have memorized maybe from being kids or that we heard this morning? Well, you know what? Sometimes I think there's that verse when you memorize as a kid and it's still back there, right? Oh, okay, okay. And you kind of refer to that. Or maybe there's a time where just, wow, I was reading, you know, last week and I just discovered maybe God in a new, fresh way. Oh, um, yeah. You know, and I found that um, more than just words on a page, but it really went into my heart. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I do have I do have some that I remember I memorized as a kid, uh, but it changes. Like I, even yeah. as an adult, and I yeah. sometimes I feel like I've encountered certain passages for the first time, and it's not even a specific one. But what's been speaking to me yeah. lately? I know um, I even talked about this yeah. week for a, a devotional. Was yeah. so many times, especially when we're going to see it in the Gospel of John, yeah. Jesus doesn't call himself God, but he uses almost what I always thought, like, you know, when I was trying to look at this academically, because yeah. that's the criticism, like, well, he never said he was actually right. God. And he's yeah. like, he actually did mm -hmm. in so many ways, but he never demanded, like, well, call right. me God. And he instead he uses little, like, unique things of, like, right. saying, yeah. you know, well, are you the son of right. God? Well, yeah. what does my testimony say about me? Yes. And, yeah. and it, yeah. more, I kind of thought of that, like, what cool ways then of identifying your character, Jesus mm -hmm. identified his, who he was explicitly without demanding to be called it by name. Instead, yeah. he's like, let my life show you, let my right. work show you, let my father, the God who's in heaven show you. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, one of the things that a verse that I had from younger and actually was my baptism verse hmm. in Proverbs chapter three, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and he will direct your paths. Hmm. And you know, it's a comfort to me. It nourishes me in the, in the fact that I know God is there to direct me. Um, I still have to take the steps. Hmm. I still need the motivation to get up and go. And yet right. God says, as you're moving, I will direct you where I want you to go, what's best for your right. life. Right, so you gotta yeah. move. You gotta yeah. move, you know, it's, it's kind of that old illustration that if you're sitting in a car in a parking lot, it's hard to turn that steering wheel. Right. But you know, get it moving at even, you know, 5K and it's much easier to steer. So we have to get up and move. Sure. Yeah. So that, yeah. what the question was, uh, I'll let you read. Yeah, yeah, just, um, yeah, what, what is it that about the Bible, a verse or just a truth that really nourishes you and kind of lifts you up? Excellent, yeah. thank you. And then, then the other one that we can think of a little bit here, um, you know, we, we say, well, well, show me and I'll believe. And so many people mm. in Jesus' day said the same thing. Well, you know, show us another miracle. Mm. What else are you gonna do for us? And he said, no. He says, if you really believe in me, then you will see. You know, we say, show us, you know, let us see, then we'll believe. He says, no, no, mm. the other way around. So when you think of, because you believe in Jesus, what have your eyes been open to? What do you see now because of your faith, because mm. of your belief? Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that one is, 
that idea, I, I often feel almost bothered. I get triggered by this idea because I have friends and I know people with amazing testimonies where they've seen angels, they've seen miracles happen in yeah. front of their eyes and transformations, and, and I haven't. <laughs> and I've been frustrated with it. Yeah. And I've, I've yeah. many times gone in prayer and said like, God, come on, right. give me something. Like, let me see the thing, right? Yeah. And then I always have a clear, distinct thing. It's like, you don't need that. You, uh, you don't need to see the things that they might have needed, but you're okay. you, whatever. Not even yeah. that it's a better or worse thing, uh -huh. but like, you don't need that connection. And then I, right. half the time after I'll say to myself, okay, so I had a conversation with God and I'm still asking <laughs> for a sign. Yeah. Come on. And yeah. then out of that, it mostly just let me see God in other people's lives clearly yeah. at work when I see a person make a decision that there's no business they had making that decision on their own or a transformation in their life or a change yeah. of heart or emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was a conversation I had with God that helped me see God at work constantly in other people's lives in what seemed like the subtle ways, right? I think God is right. telling me like, you don't need the big show because the subtle stuff is actually what's changing everybody's lives and your life constantly. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think it's, it's that belief when we commit ourselves to, yes, I believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ and his testimony, um, then, you know, that, that just removes, you know, my need to, you know, okay, well, God, well, I need to see this. And there is an element of faith that kind of takes us through that. And, um, and it can be very strong. And while it's great to see revelations of God in a, in a physical way, um, you know, that faith um, is very, very strong within us. And that helps us to see the greatness of God because we are committed to believing in Him. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. We're going to post these questions up uh, on the screen for you to engage in for just a few moments. Yeah. You, you can pause them too if you want more time because I think it actually is worthwhile <laughs> right. discussion to yeah. have. Engage online with the comments, uh, everyone. You can phone up a friend if you got your small group, like, get some Skype or Zoom yeah. going too. But just take this, wrestle with it. And thank you for joining us this morning. We will see you next week. See you next week, Cedar Valley.